0: Welcome to the Destiny Church and Throne Podcast, where we hope to inspire, stir, and provoke you to know Jesus and make Him known in your daily life. Enjoy! Perfect! Prayer at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Orange Table kick off at noon. Uh, it goes from 12 to 1.30. Um, and, uh, and also tonight at uh, Wells of Agape Family Worship Center right down the street at 5 p.m. There's a night of oil, a regional night of worship. Um, and uh, it's going to be absolutely amazing. The Heart of David Orange is going to be releasing a song uh, or leading worship uh, pastor karen is going to be leading a, a prayer session a prayer set and uh, we're just going to have fun tonight and just as the body we're going to come together and just worship the lord amen <laughs> and so what's nothing better than that i absolutely love it um okay uh i think that's everything if there's something else you know check the facebook we keep, we and we keep it live on there check our website all that stuff if you want to give red bucket back there trust the lord in what he's telling you to give um and uh uh, do exactly that exact thing if you're making a check destiny church uh but but give be obedient to the spirit of the lord in that moment amen all right y'all ready (laughs) who said yeah my man that boy ready boy's ready um so uh, the other day, I just want to just, God is so good, you know, he, he is with us, and, and, and in the midst of everything, when he calls you to it, he's going to provide for it, and I was, uh, I was praying about the orange table or orange pantry and things like that, and I was like, Lord, uh, like you see the need, uh, so Lord, open a doorway uh, for us to, to begin to get more and more assistance from the city uh, to be able to continue doing what we're doing in the community. And God has been faithful. I mean, you know, God has been faithful with everything that he's called us into. Uh, so here at Destiny, we know that if God says to do it, he's going to do it. The chairs you're sitting in came from God, right? The speakers, everything here. And so I was like, Lord, you see our need, right? So rather than just worrying or whatever it may be or checking the bank account or doing like a, uh, uh, what are they, you know, those little like uh, thermometers and everybody give and you do the right. <laughs> I just said, God, you know the need, so I'm going to give it to you. The next day I get a phone call. I don't have the number saved. I don't know the number, uh, but it doesn't say spam call, so I answer it. And it is a city official of Orange. And they said, hey, we see what you're doing with the Orange table, with the pantry and everything. We want to partner with you. We want to sew. We want to do what we can to help meet any needs that you have. And I was like, wow, God, won't he do it? And in just a moment, we were able to connect with a city official to help to get things done that we are needing to get done in the city uh, uh, for what we're doing, feeding families and everything else. And so anyway, God is good. So what do I, what do I mean by that? I mean that if there's a need in your life, right? If there's a need in your life, when you abide in him and you trust him, he meets those needs, right? He meets those needs, right? We don't need to be double-minded. Will he do it? Or pray and worry or whatever. Maybe, I mean, he's a good dad, you know what I'm saying? But, but he wants to kind of reshape and restructure and transform and renew our ways of thinking so that when we ask in his name it's not from a place of worry attached to it amen so i just wanted to share that testimony with you because it was absolutely phenomenal that god met that need as he always does right like even though like like check it out like if i know that at 12 o'clock noon somebody's going to walk through that door with a large stuffed crust pizza every sunday right i'd be in expectation but i'd still be in awe because i love pizza so I'm in expectation that God is going to move, whether it be tomorrow, next week, next year, whatever it may be, I'm in expectation, but every time he moves, oh, I'm just in awe, right? May we never lose our splendor, maybe never lose our wonder, excuse me, of who he is. Amen? Amen? Jesus said, now follow me on this, I got some scripture I'm going to throw you away. We're going to take a deep dive into John 15 for a second, all right? I'm, gonna, I'm about to read the entire chapter of John 15 to you through the conversation of the way it looks like in the Passion Translation. But just follow me for a moment on this. I love the conversation here. So, So in John 15, known as the Farewell Disclosures, Jesus is about to go to the cross. So this is like his last moments talking with his students, talking with his disciples here in this context. Judas has already left. And now he's talking to those who have stayed. And this is where the discourse is, what we're about to read. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This more than likely took place in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, in the community that they were in, they were typically farmers. So Jesus is about to, about to kind of uh, bring about what's seen in the earth to who he is. Now follow me. Jesus says, I am the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to me. Listen to that. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. He says, I'm the sprouting vine, and you're my branches, and as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you but you will live separated from me. But if you live separated from me, you will be powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into a fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live in you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, check this out, When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Jesus says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. For if you keep my commands, you'll live in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. I'm going to read that again. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands, for I continually lived nourished and empowered by his love. Jesus says, my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Now remember, he's about to get ready to go to the cross. And my man Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you'll live in my love. And he says, my purpose for telling you all these things is that the joy that I experience, is what Jesus says, will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Fill, overflowing. How do we know something's full? It's overflowing. Right? Amen? He says, so this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. Listen to that. Jesus says, you'll show that you are my intimate friends when you're obedient. What do we say here? The love language of Jesus is obedience. He says, I've never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends, for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from the Father. Jesus wants to reveal things to you, but he wants to reveal it to his friends. Right? He wants to reveal it to his friends. And Jesus says, you didn't chose me, but I've chosen and I've commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my father for my sake, he'll give it to you. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. He says, just remember, when the unbelieving world hates you, it hated me first. If you were to give your allegiance to this world, they would love and welcome you as their own. But because you align yourself with the values of this world, they'll hate you. And what is he saying this world? He's saying what I'm releasing to you, the, 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 the things of heaven. These teachings that I'm releasing, when you align yourself in obedience to the Father, the world will hate you. Come on, we see it right now going on in the world, right? Man, like everybody wants like a watered-down gospel that makes them feel good to continue in what they're in. Right? Come on, let's be real for a second. They don't want the responsibility and the conviction of being obedient and cutting things away and pruning and dying. Dying hurts. Dying hurts. Dying hurts. I love something John Daniel said the other day. He said that when, 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 when the enemy, when the devil uh, went to Jesus in the wilderness, he said to bow to him and all the kingdoms would be his. But the kingdoms were already Jesus's even before. And he said what the enemy tried to do is get Jesus to, to get, take a shortcut that didn't involve the cross. And this is where the enemy has us. This is where so many times in church culture we try to like patty cake everybody, right? It's like, hey, you can have the things of God without the cross. But we have to carry that cross, amen? Come on. So Jesus says, so remember what I taught you, that a servant is not superior to his master. And since they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Hallelujah. He says, and if you obey my teachings, they will also obey yours. And they will treat you this way because you are mine and they don't know the one who sent me. Listen to this. He says, if I had come and spoken these things to an unbelieving world, they would not feel the guilt of their sin. But now their sin is left uncovered. And if anyone hates me, they hate my father also. If I had performed miracles in their presence like no one else ever has done, they wouldn't feel the guilt of their sins. But now they've seen and hated both me and my father. And all of this happened to fulfill what is written in the scriptures that they hated me for no reason. John 15 closes like this. And I will send to you the divine encourager, the comforter, the Holy Spirit from the presence of my father. He'll come to you, the spirit of truth emanating from the father. And he'll speak to you about me. And you tell everyone the truth about me, for you have walked with me from the start. Jesus releases this discourse in John 15, and he opens it up. And, and, and you know, uh, a few weeks ago, we taught on being the light. And back then, there wasn't flashlights or LEDs or anything that would have illuminated. The light then would have been a flame. So Jesus sees a flame. This is just the way, this is the Johnny version, is that Jesus is with his boys. He's with his students, and he sees that flame, and he's like, you know what? Hmm, you're like, you're, you're the light of the world. You're the flame. You're the torch. And in this case, I'd like to picture, you know, Jesus, he, he's, he's walking, and he understands it in the back of his mind that he's about to have to go to the garden, You know, I think that Jesus is having this discourse with the heavens, releasing this, and what he's saying in this moment is he's saying, you know, in the back of his mind, I like to think that Jesus understands that the cross is soon near. He understands that there's a great sacrifice he's about to give up. And so he's encouraging his his beloved. He's telling him, Look, 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 they're gonna hate you because they hated me. And and he's thinking about, I'm about to go to the cross, and, and I just I just see him smiling, and he's in Jerusalem. And more than likely, they're in a valley, and he's looking around, and the the community there are farmers, and he sees these vineyards. You see, because if you study it out, during this discourse would have been a time of harvest and fruitful grapes. You see, up until this point throughout the Old Testament, Israel was known as the vine. Israel was known as the vine and the representation of God. But now Jesus has come saying, I am the vine. You see, Jesus is actually saying that, that, that Israel, in so many ways, failed to represent God. So here is the challenge, and here is the changing and the renewing of the mind. Jesus says, I'm the vine, and I will not fail. And I will represent the Father well in all that I do. And He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You see, nothing else represents the Father's heart more than Jesus. And if our ministries and our life speak a different language, we are pruned away, we are cut away from the vine. If our messages aren't bringing people to the foot of the cross and living that out, we're cut away. Hear me on this. This is Jesus, he knew this was important when he's talking to his disciples. He wanted them to understand, remain in life union with me. He, he's telling them a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit. Have you been fruitless in your life? Check your heart. Where have you been severed from him? Up until this point, Israel was the representation of the vine. But now Jesus says, I'm taking that place as king to represent the vine. And you see, as we continue to study this thing out, over and over again, as Jesus is sharing in this intimate gospel because the book of John is not in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is outside of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It doesn't have a lot of the same stories as Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's written by the beloved one. So I like to think when I read John, I, r- I like to read it through the eyes of intimacy. And there's a lot of really good intimate stuff in the book of John. But Jesus tells us here, when, you, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. I believe that there is a broken city, there's a broken region, there are broken people all over that need to eat of the fruit that you are bearing by staying connected to the vine. Right? But this is what, we're, this is what the world is in need of. The world is not in need of me planting my own pot, but, but planting my own plant in a pot far away from his vineyard and doing this thing the way that I want to do it. Right? I, I, we say it all the time. Jesus, come. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. Some mean that, some don't. Right? And even in our own lives, we've been guilty of it. God, do whatever you want to do, but make sure it looks like this. Don't make me uncomfortable. Don't make me do things I don't want to do. Come on. But I love that Jesus, in this discourse here, in this moment, what he reaches out and what he shares to us as disciples, you show that you're my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. And and in John 14, excuse me, a chapter before that, which is what I've been chewing on for the past few months, when Jesus says, if you obey my commands, me and my father will make our home with you, right? Jesus says, I will reveal myself to you. Your lives are called to bear fruit. Stay connected to Jesus. Anything outside of being connected to him will be fruitless. It's going to be fruitless. Ministries can be fruitless when it's done out of our own power. Right? Callings can be fruitless when done being severed from the vine. We can do church all day long without being connected to the vine. Let's be real. We can live a Christian life being severed from the vine. How many know that a car can at least run a little bit more without oil in it, right? It doesn't just immediately die when there's no oil in it. You're going to destroy your engine, but you can drive a little while longer, right? Anybody been there, done that? <laughs> Look at Nicole. She's like, mine's like 6,000 miles overdue. Now, uh, <laughs> hey, I got you. Don't worry about it. Hey. Um, now, everybody's thinking to themselves, like, dude, I, I need to check my oil. My God, man, it's been over 3,000 miles. <laughs> I'm even thinking myself, man, man, I got to check my oil, um, we, we can do this life without fresh oil. We can do it out of knowledge. Right? We can do it out of knowledge. Uh, I shared, I think I shared it here, or maybe it was at the hub. I don't remember where it was. But um, at our house, there was this tree limb uh, that fell. It was a big tree limb. It fell off of a tree. And if I shared this and you heard it, I'm going to share it again. Anyway, there's this tree limb. It was a pretty big tree limb. It fell from a tree by our house, landed on our carport, really big. But if you were to look at it, probably been there about a week or two weeks. And if you were to look at it, it still looked fresh. I mean, it still looked like brand new. But over time, this branch is now rotting, drying up, no nutrients. It's dead. It's crumbly. It's brittle. Right? Don't even get me started on the brittle Christian. Right? Somebody says something that offends you. (laughs) Oh, dear God, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I don't want to go to church anymore, right? Sometimes when we're severed from him, let's just go there for a second. Sometimes when we're severed away from him, a fence is easier to walk into. Yeah. Hmm. But that tree limb sat on our carport and it looked really fresh. But over time, it began to die and rot and get brittle and tear apart. And a simple, <sighs> begins to tear it down. So I want to say this to you. And then this is where I feel to end it. And so I love each and every one of you You guys are amazing. Um, I'm thankful that we have a house that desires to just be with him. Right. Sundays are amazing times for us to come together as a family and worship and enthrone him and get equipped. But outside of here, I'm so thankful for what God is doing and the testimonies that we're hearing of what God is doing in the cities of what God is doing in the region the healings, the breakthroughs, all those things that are fruit that's accompanied by being with him. Right? These are not things that we go and seek out. I think I've told you guys a testimony of the guy that came the other day to the soup kitchen with a, suit with a spirit of suicide on him that God highlighted and broke off of his life. He looked at me, with tears in his eyes, saying, how did you know? Well, I'm just a friend. How did I know I'm just a friend? This guy was a happy-go-lucky looking dude right? How did you know? Want to, I'm a friend of Jesus, and he loves you, right? There's fruit that was produced in that moment, and thank you for saying yes to producing fruit, because the world around you needs to eat of that. What good is it for us to just come together on Sunday mornings, and no one knows about who he is, or the, his faithfulness, his goodness, or comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus? Our workplaces getting completely turned around for the glory of the Lord, amen? Uh, All right, y'all. Um, Jesus is good. Um, in closing, <coughs> in closing, beloved bride, give me one second. <laughs> Better close up with this. We are the vine, you are the branches. Jesus. In Isaiah it says, now I will sing a song for the one I love about his vineyard. My beloved has a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with choice vines. In the middle of it, he carved a winepress in nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. It says, but the grapes were wild and sour. What I want to say to you is this. That the Lord is longing to plant you in his garden, in his vineyard to grow you, to prune you, to crush you. Let's welcome the crushing. Let's welcome the pruning. Let's welcome anything that needs to be cut away. Let's welcome it. There's a sweet wine that will come from that place of crushing. There's a sweet wine in the garden, Adam and Eve, all it took was the enemy whispering a lie for Eve to, 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 to partner with that caused the fall. Let us be so close to the chest of Jesus that even the whispers of the enemy don't even make it to our ear. And if we sin, we have an advocate, amen? But we have no obligation. So let's just say, Jesus, we want to live so close to your chest that nothing else captures our attention so rooted in you. We want to bear fruit. In any areas that we're not bearing fruit, any areas in the depth of our heart, Lord, just begin to reveal, prune, crush, do whatever is necessary. Throw it into the fire. We want to be intimate friends with you. Come on, beloved, stand with me. Jesus, you're so good.